All right, good afternoon. Welcome and thank you for joining us in another segment of the Jane Irrigation Training Series. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about weather-based irrigation controllers. What's a smart controller? What's a smarter controller? And more importantly, who's got or what is the smartest controller? Now, why this matters, I think, and why it's such an interesting subject to me is that uh, there's a lot of controllers out there that are considered smart, maybe get the classification of smart. And what I really want to know or what I hope to get out of this and learn is uh, if I uh, invest a little bit more money and get the smartest controller, does it actually uh, pay me back in more water savings or better water savings or how does that affect me? So I'm really excited to kind of open up this subject uh, from that standpoint and helping us out today to really examine this is uh, DJ Caldwell. And uh, I've worked now with DJ for the last two years, but I've known about DJ for a long time. And one of the things I really admire about DJ uh, over the last couple of years and working with him is his experience in the contracting business. You know, he worked for a contractor, uh, Environmental Designs Inc. in Colorado, and he sold and he installed and he managed smart controllers there. So somebody who's actually done it and had that experience, you know, I find that you can learn a lot from and DJs have been no exception. I've really learned a lot about uh, smart controllers from him as a result of that. But DJ also uh, worked in the uh, distribution business as well. So he's got a nice rounded uh, experience here working for a contractor, working for uh, CPS distributors in Colorado. Hi Lowell, I know you're tuning in today. And uh, then uh, working for uh, ET Water starting in 2016. So uh, DJ really covers uh, the mountain states for us, Colorado, Wyoming, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Colorado and Utah and Wyoming, his uh, main primaries. And uh, we're really excited to have him on here today. And DJ, I just wanted to start off with, uh, you know, how are the contractors uh, doing with smart controllers, uh, especially in that Colorado market uh, where sustainability and, and water conservation is so important? Thanks Richard for having me and uh, thanks for the kind words. Um, you know, out here, uh, you know, most people don't think of Colorado as a, a really water conservation, you know, kind of hotbed, if you will. So a lot of the contractors, they've really bought into to the water conservation and smart controllers, uh, really trying to trying to help a lot of their, their customers, you know, not only save water, but also, you know, save money on their water bills as the water rates continue to go up. So we've actually seen a, a lot of really good buy-in from, you know, definitely some really good contractors out here. Yeah, that's great to hear. You know, it was uh, back in uh, my contracting days, one thing I noticed is uh, we sold uh, the same amount of uh, irrigation upgrades in Denver as we did in Los Angeles. And people always wanted to know why that was. And I thought, well, number one, um, people understand water conservation better in Colorado. You know, it seems to be a, a really important to them. And then number two, because it was just a six month season uh, people had to get busy with it. There actually had to be a focus versus, uh, hey, uh, you know, we'll, we'll work on it next month because it's going to be sunny and nice next month too. So uh, anyway, th thanks for that input on that. So, uh, so what do you have for us today, DJ? Yeah, so really, um, as, as you said, Richard, we're going to kind of dive into, you know, as, as I like to look at it, the, the three categories of, of the actual smart controllers or weather-based controllers, if you will. Um, and, and really just kind of try to get a better understanding of the different levels, you know, maybe where they where they fit, where they don't fit, 
and you know what what features each of them have that, that really separate them from from the category before um, and, and really kind of try to try to just inform everybody of, of what we're what we have to work with out in the in the market right now. So really one of the first things we want to look at um, or talk about really when we're talking about smart controllers is, is water management. Um, water management is a, is a very important factor when we're when we're looking at, at smart controllers or water conservation as a whole. A um, couple different reasons why, um, you know, as I mentioned, water rates continue to go up. Um, when water rates go up, that means, you know, we need to conserve more. Our, our, you know, our HOAs, our property managers, you know, their, their budgets can't, can't just continue to take these increasing water bills. Um, so really for that fact, it, it really does make it the, you know, one of the largest issues that we're facing as, as an industry. Um, not only our contractors, um, but our customers as well. You know, they, they're really struggling with this. Uh, the other part with uh, water management is it's, it's a great way for a lot of contractors to really separate themselves from, from their competition. Um, you know, if they're able to save an HOA uh, a bunch of water and money, uh, you know, one, they're not only just going to keep the, keep the contract, but, you know, hopefully they're going to be able to, to market that and, and really use their experience to go out and find new business as well. Yeah, you know, DJ, I went to work for uh, Valley Crest, right? The contractor I worked for back in 2009. And if you can remember, that was uh, something coined now, the Great Recession. Well, <clears throat> I started with uh, 18 business developers selling landscape maintenance. And we grew that to 28 business developers. And really, we would go into bid bidding situations and uh, uh, we would start talking about water management and what we could do with water management. And now nobody cared if we were a little bit more expensive or uh, a bit more expensive on our monthly maintenance. What we showed them we could save them in water would, would take care of that. And uh, boy, this is what uh, caused us to grow dramatically in that, uh, that you know, three-year time period from 2009 to 2012, where other people were literally closing their businesses. We were, we were getting business at that time, really focused on the water management. So I totally see this. I think that's a great point. Yeah, no, a lot, a lot of our contractors out here, that, that's the, you know, the direction that they have gone with, and it, it's really worked out well for them. And I, I think it's a, it's a good recipe for success. So next, um, here's the most recent drought monitor map um, that, that was released. Um, as you can see, pretty much the in, entire Western US is in some form of, of drought right now. Um, you know, really, if you, if, if you look at Colorado where I'm located, there, there's not a really an inch of the state that, that's not in some form of drought right now. Um, I really thought this was important to bring up uh, just for a couple basic reasons. One, you know, once we can start going into drought, it, the more severe it gets, the more water restrictions the municipalities are going to put on contractors and properties, whether it's the number of days they can run or the, uh, you know, how much water they can use. Um, you know, maybe they'll, they'll knock it down to 17 gallons per square foot, um, which could send some, some, uh, some landscapes into, into stress. So, you know, really it's, you know, in Colorado, it's not if the next drought happens, it's really when it's going to happen. And so I think a lot of our contractors out here have done really good at, you know, preparing for the next drought by starting to save when we don't actually necessarily have to, if you will. Yeah, I've been saying it for a while now, and uh, I know my Colorado Rockies fans will like, uh, like this saying, right? And it's, it is, you know, we, we, the new normal is we're either going into a drought or coming out of a drought. We're just always going to be in a drought. And right, so that's, uh, 
uh, a play on the, uh, the hitting term, you're always either going into a slump or coming out of a slump. But I feel the same way about, uh, uh, about this drought situation now. It's just the new normal. We're going to have to, as an industry, learn how to deal with it. So uh, glad, glad to see you're bringing that to uh, everybody's attention today. Absolutely. So next, I think this is going to be a, a, a repeat. Um, I'm sure many people have heard this multiple times. Um, but it is something that's very important. Um, you know, when you start looking at, at household water usage, um, on average across the US, they say 60% of the, the water that is used in every household is actually used on the outdoors. Um, where that becomes important is because 50% of that water that's used on your landscape is actually being wasted. Um, a lot of times due to runoff, uh, overspray, potentially broken, broken items out in your sprinkler system. Um, so, you know, rolling back to, to being in a drought, you know, we really have to save everything that we can because of the available water and, you know, water is such a valuable resource that we, we really need to maintain how we're using it. So, um, you know, just having an idea of what every house is potentially wasting and what could be saved if a lot of those issues were remedied, um, you know, really could make a, make a huge impact on the industry. Yeah, and I just think, DJ, uh, this overwatering creates a lot of other challenges, right? Correct, yeah. I mean, you, you start getting uh, shallow root depths, you know, your, your, your trees and shrubs, you know, they can start blowing over in the wind because they don't have a good root depth, uh, you, know, uh, you know, root rot, you know, you get you know, all these different, different uh, side effects from, from overwatering that, you know, end up costing more money in, in the long run a lot of times. Yeah, so the waste really just compounds itself, yeah. It's really unfortunate. So, and really, you know, if we're, if we're talking about, about smart controllers, we really kind of need to have a, at least a basic understanding of what ET or evapotranspiration is. Um, a lot of times when I'm talking to a lot of my customers or end users of the controllers, um, you know, I, I put it very simply that, that ET is basically what the plant uses and, and what water is wasted. Um, you know, so what the plant uses is the transpiration and then what, what is wasted in a sense is, is through evaporation. Uh, both of those, you know, that's nothing that, that anybody in our industry has, has any control over. Um, you know, we can't slow down the plant from, from using more water when it's 95 degrees. It, it's using what it needs to survive. And same thing with evaporation, you know, it, it, it's gonna go away. So, you know, we just need to know where where the water is going and how it's being used. So that way we can properly reapply the, the irrigation um, to keep our plant material healthy. Yeah, and a big shout out to Kevin Heverin. I love this illustration with the roots coming out of the bottom of the world there. That is, uh, that is great. So uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of illustrations that uh, showed ET, but this has got to be one of my favorite ones. It's really good. He did a good job on it, that's for sure. So, and then when we're talking about, about ET, um, you know, we have to look, really start looking at the, the ET graphs or the bell curves as it's, you know, most commonly referred to. Um, you know, this is a, a normal ET graph. So, you know, you start your year off fairly low. As you go into the summer, the, the, the temperatures get hotter. Um, you know, plants are using more. It's going gonna, it's gonna to increase. And then kind of in the fall, it's going to start decreasing as well. Um, you know, one important thing to know is, not every year is gonna look exactly like this graph. You know, this is based off of current weather. So if you look at 2017, 18 and 19, you're, if you compare the graphs, you're gonna see some differences. Maybe April is gonna be hotter in 17 than it was in 18, but it generally will fall for the most part, this, this bell curve um, kind of give you a really good idea of, you know, kind of how you should be watering throughout the year. 
So DJ, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, okay, this is basically the air temperature. It goes uh, up through July and then it comes back down in the fall. So wouldn't I just get uh, good water management if I connected some temperature device to my controller that would turn it down as, uh, as we went on? Wouldn't, wouldn't that really help? It, it would potentially help. Um, you're not actually going to be able to stay exactly with the curve because there's a lot more that goes into it. Um, you know, you start looking at, at length of day, sun exposure, um, you know, solar radiation, all these different, different factors that actually go into the ET calculation. So temperature is just one of them. And if you look at ET water, we actually calculate 17 factors. So if you're looking at one versus 17, there could be a huge, huge variance in, in what you're actually needing to run. Yeah. That's interesting, right? I'm thinking about it in Southern California, we tend to have some of our hottest months in September and October, right? Because of uh, overcast, fog, things like that. And it isn't the biggest uh, using month. So that, that's a great point. Thank you. But so then we go on to the, the, the next slide, which is still has the same uh, ET bell curve on it, but this is really showing what a, a standard controller or you know, um, you know, a dumb controller, if you will, that doesn't self-adjust. Um, what we're typically seeing the, the watering, how it happens throughout the year, um, and on almost every single month, you can see that the watering is higher than what the ET factor is, which goes back to um, you know our drought monitor and everything else that we really need to to monitor and really use the water that we need instead of wasting it and actually causing harm to our plants. Um, so in Colorado, really three to four times a year is about the average that an irrigation controller gets touched. Um, in the spring, when the irrigation start, started up, you know, they, they program it for the weather, what's going on right then. As the temperature and ET factors rise, they will reprogram it for the middle of the summer. Maybe they will do it, reprogram again when the temperature's starting to fall. Um, but sometimes it's so close to the winterization, they decide just to, to let it go for the next couple weeks or month. Um, and then really in, you know, the fall, we're shutting off the irrigation controllers. Um, you know, really it's kind of the same in, you know, markets that, that do irrigate year round. Instead of turning on and turning off controllers, you're really making adjustments, you know, for, for the seasonality. You know, when, the, when we are shutting controllers off, a lot of people are turning them down to let them water minimally throughout the winter. And then next, so this is the, the ideal um, watering that you want to see when you're, when you're looking at the, at the ET curve. So, you know, you really want to replenish exactly what is, what is coming out of, out of the root zone. You really want to be able to put it back. Um, and again, it's not just what's being pulled out from evaporation. It's also what the plant is using. So, you know, you really have to have that, that ET calculation figured out to really determine what you want to put back. Um, as you can see here, this is about perfect. Um, you know, there's a couple months where it's a little low, a couple months it's, it's just a little bit higher than what the ET is, but you know, we're really following that bell curve very closely. And you know, this is the, the ideal that you wanna see when, when you move over to a, a smart controller, you wanna try to find something that, that can follow this as closely as possible. So DJ, recently I've run into a few situations where customers have said, uh, well, you know, uh, I talked to my contractor about a smart controller and they said, you don't need a smart controller uh, or a weather-based irrigation controller. I can just uh, make the adjustments, right? I can adjust to uh, the schedule that we're looking at now. Um, is that really realistic? Is that, uh, is that possible? Yes and no. The, the formula, which I have here in a, in a couple slides, I can show you re really what the formula would be to, to calculate this. 
Um, you know, so there, there is a way to actually do it, but the feasibility of someone doing it on a daily basis or even a weekly basis, going through the amount of math that you need to for every single zone on a site really, really puts a lot of limits on, on what you as a contractor are able to do. Yeah, so it's not really a contractor issue or a contractor fault. It's just technology is allowing us to adjust daily now and that makes all the difference. Correct, yeah, and uh, once we really dive into the differences of the, of the levels of controller, you'll really kind of see where, where the main differences are and you know, really how it helps the contractor um, you know, manage the water properly, but also you know, ideally helps save them a little bit of time as well. Yeah, okay, great, thank you. So before we really jumped in, um, kind of wanted to start with this slide, you know, really showing the, the potential savings that you can expect off of the, you know, kind of three different levels of, of smart controllers. You know, the, the, the smart controller, that's, that's going to be your, you know, entry level controller that's, that's really going to keep you closer to, to the bell curve than, than if you, you know, really just touched your controller three or four times a year. It's really going to help, you know, reel in some of that overwatering, um, but of course it, it's not, it's not going to be ideal. Um, same thing with the, the smarter controller, you know, it starts introducing some other other features of the in the controllers that actually help, you know, reduce the water a little bit further. And then finally, you get up to the ET water controller or the smartest controller, and you could really see, you know, the save the potential savings really go up just due to the amount of technology that that is being used and and sent out to the controllers on a, on a daily basis. So speaking of smart controllers, um, so the EPA um, actually has it listed that there are 736 um, weather-based irrigation controllers that have the water sense certification. Um, you know, me personally, I don't know if I can name over 20, 25 controllers out there, but it really kind of, I, I found this very interesting because it really shows you that, you know, Every manufacturer out there has, has their own way of, of getting into to smart irrigation, if you will, as a whole. But it also shows that, that not everybody necessarily has the same definition of, of smart irrigation. And so, you know, if the, if the definition is diluted, then, you know, your, your savings potentially may not be there as well. And then as we were talking, you know, this is the, the formula that uh, a contractor or even a homeowner could use to really dive in and find out exactly what their, what their irrigation controller needs to run. Um, so there's a lot of different factors that go into this. I won't go into the specific math, but you know, you need to know your, your daily ET factor. Um, you need to know your, your, what your crop coefficient is. You know, what are you watering? You watering turf or shrubs? You know, you need to have some specific uh, information in order to even do this. Um, but then, you know, if you look at your, your specific zone you're trying to figure out, you need to know the precipitation rate, uh, the, the dist distribution uniformity or the efficiency of, of that uh, irrigation method. You know, you really have to have a, a, lot, of, a lot of really kind of dialed in information in order to get this, this formula to really calculate out and give you a, you know, really proper schedule. And again, in order to do it like some of the controllers on the market today do, you'd have to do this every day for every single zone on your property. Yeah, so uh, the math itself, I'm looking at it and well, there's a lot there, but it's really, it's high school math. But, yeah, it's not difficult if you have the information. Right, but you have to do that calculation for every zone and uh, 
And uh, this is what really makes it tough. And then you'd have to go around, you have to do the calculation, and then you'd have to go around and change the time on each individual controller, every zone, and it just, just makes it uh, in, impractical. Very time consuming for sure. So now we start to get into the good stuff. Um, really, you know, looking at, at the, the different levels of, of, of the controllers out there. Um, so the first level, you know, what I kind of classify in my head as the, as the smart controllers. So this is going to be a lot of your, your Wi-Fi based controllers. Um, the majority of those 736 are really going to fall into this category. Um, you know, the, there's a couple of things that, that really separate this from, from the next two levels. And the first one is, is this uses, you know, 50 years of historical weather data. So, you know, really the, the controller itself is really kind of making a guess of what the actual weather is at your house that day. Um, you know, especially, you know, spring and, and fall out here in Colorado, it can be significantly different than what the historical is. So at that point, if we're 20 degrees cooler than normal or 20 degrees hotter, I'm either under or overwatering my landscape if I'm just going off of uh, the, the historical weather data. The other thing with these, uh, the smart, smart level controllers is uh, they are a percentage adjust controller. So they are still using uh, the contractor or homeowner is plugging in an irrigation schedule. So, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, five minutes for pop-ups, 15 minutes for rotors. And the controller is taking the historical weather data and increasing or decreasing the, the actual runtime on the controller. So. Um, you know, and it is very important if you have the wrong program in there, you know, it's, it's going to be adjusting and you still may be uh, not putting the right amount of water down to the, to, to your landscape. Right. So I, I, I just want to clarify this. I want to be sure I'm understanding this, right? Cause it, it, you're right. It doesn't sound very smart. Uh, so I'm a homeowner or somebody and I program this, I program my controller to water for an hour. And, uh, the historical data tells me this is a, um, a cooler day. Well, let's just say it says it's a hotter day than normal. Uh, it's going to water that complete hour plus a little bit more. And I may only need 20 minutes, but if that original programming's wrong, it's, it's not going to adjust the hour back to 30 minutes. It's just going to adjust the 10%, 5%, 2%. You're never going to have a big percentage change. So if it's initially programmed incorrectly, it's going to still water the incorrect amount. Correct. You've got that exactly right. The, the other part of that is, is if you're looking at, at the weather and you have a program for Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but let's say you only need to water Monday and Friday, you have a whole another irrigation schedule out there that is going to be running as well. Right. Okay. All right. Good. Yeah. Thank you. I understand that now. So really, I mean, the, the benefits of these, um, you know, they are gonna be homeowner grade. They're, they're generally fairly inexpensive um, and they are fairly simple to use. But again, there's really no, no science behind them. And, um, you know, really you, they can easily be over underwatering your landscape, uh, potentially putting it at risk. So next we move over to, you know, what I call the, the smarter controllers or, you know, the mid-level controllers. Um, so these controllers are really using, they're still using the, the 50 years historical data, um, but what makes, separates these controllers from the smart level is that they are using some live weather data as well in their, in their ET calculations. So they're taking, you know, generally the four main weather factors, um, you know, wind, solar radiation, humidity, and temperature, and they're, they're looking at, at what all of those 
uh, factors were yesterday, and then they're adding that to their, their ET calculations from historical. So you're going to be a little bit closer to the bell curve, but again, you know, it's, it still has that historical. So if it's a lot hotter, you still may not be exactly right where it needs to be. Uh, these controllers generally are, uh, again, a percentage adjust. So if your schedule's not right in there, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 5 and 15, it's adjusting the runtime, but is it actually the proper schedule? And, you know, is the, is the adjustment actually what it needs to be there? Yeah, so really that massive calculation you showed us earlier still would have to be done even in a smarter controller, right? Just to get that baseline schedule correct. And uh, I, I would say at least once a month, probably just to make sure that you're, you're kind of staying in, in track. Yeah. And then I think, uh, you know, probably what's more practical is that people are just setting them four times a week for 20 minutes and adjusting uh, off that, right? Yeah. I mean, just, you just want to make sure it's green. And, you know, that's, that's what a lot of people look at. And unfortunately, you know, that, that's not always what, what's healthiest for the plant either. Yeah, so doesn't uh, overwatering really contribute to a lot of problems with plants? It certainly can. Um, you can definitely have some some different diseases that can come in from overwatering. Um, you know, like I said, you can stunt the root growth. Uh, if it if it's too wet, your 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 turf may only have like a one or two inch root zone. Where you know, ideally on you know Kentucky bluegrass cool season turf, you want four to six inch uh, root zones in you know out there. Um, so there, there's a lot of different things that, that can happen from, from severe overwatering, especially when it's prolonged over a very long time. Yeah, thanks, DJ. So then finally, we get into, you know, really what I classify as the, the smartest controller. And there, there's a number of reasons why I, I, I say that, that it is the smartest. Um, and it's not just because I, I work for ET Water. Um, really, it, it's it, because of the, the technology behind it. Um, you know, the, the controllers in this category, you know, ET water, we do not rely on any of the historical data. Um, all of our weather information is, is calculated from, from live weather data yesterday and today. Um, and really we, you know, at ET water, we can make the smartest controller even smarter by looking into the future with the, the predictive analytics that, that we are introducing as well. Um, which I'll go into a little bit more detail on that here in just a minute. Um, but it, it really, you know, we, we really are getting a, a live snapshot so that, that, that ET curve, you know, we're on a daily basis, we're looking at that and we're seeing exactly where it is and we're able to replenish the water to exactly what, the, what that curve is looking like for that specific day. Um, you know, we're also not a, a percentage adjust controller. So, uh, you know, we are looking at this and we are building a new irrigation schedule customized for your landscape by zone on every single day. So in Colorado in the in the spring, you know, we're we're 65 degrees every single day and then maybe on Thursday we're going to jump up to 85. You know, there, there's no in between. It's, you know, we have a 20 degree jump every year in the spring and you know, contractors are out there for a week running around adjusting controllers when if you have a, a smart controller, it's automatically catching that and, and you know making that change. So you know, it's really beneficial in the fall as well. When temperatures drop, it's catching it and reducing your water right away. Instead of, as we saw in that slide earlier, it goes for two months longer than, than what we actually need it to. Yeah, so DJ, um, we have a question here, right? And uh, the question is this, uh, you're doing that massive calculation many times a day. So you must need like a supercomputer to go on the wall, right? To do all these calculations, right? And that's gotta be expensive. Uh, 
Is that what's happening here? No, so actually at ET Water, uh, we do all of our calculations in the cloud. So we're the only uh, controller that's actually doing everything in the cloud. So there, there is not a computer, if you will, hanging on the wall uh, that's turning zones on and off. Um, our controllers, what, what makes them so smart is the information that, that we're gathering from our weather stations. And then we're sending the, the new program down to the controller. So the controller is really just, you know, activating the zones off of the information it's downloading. Yeah, I see. So everything's up in the cloud. So one server, all the information there, you're not having to duplicate many times. It keeps the cost down, I guess. Correct. Yeah, it definitely keeps the cost down, um, you know, as... I, I can just imagine that, that you know, really the, the smartest controllers are just going to continue to get smarter. And at some point, if you have a computer, if you will, on the wall, there's going to need to be upgrades. Um, you know, just like your laptop, it might get outdated and it's not fast enough to, to keep up with everything that's going on. Um, so that's one of the reasons at ET Water, we decided that the cloud is the way to go. Um, you know, try to, try to limit a lot of those, those different roadblocks, if you will, uh, from, from future. Yeah, smart or smartest. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind I kind of touched on the the predictive analytics. Um, I really kind of wanted to go into that as, as well as the weather data that that we use at at ET Water. Um, you know, so really with with the multiple weather sources and all the data that that we're collecting on a daily basis. It doesn't matter if you live in Denver, Colorado, Topeka, Kansas, Fresno, California, really anywhere, we're able to download the, the actual weather for, for where your controller is installed. So, and with those 17 factors I mentioned earlier, you know, we're able to get a, a very precise ET factor. Um, and once you get that precise ET factor, you're able to get more water savings. You're able to really follow that curve you know, and in some cases, you might even be able to be below that, that ET curve that, that we saw earlier. So, you know, this, this really is a, a, a big, big factor, um, you know, with the weather. Um, also with the weather, we're able to actually see what the rainfall is and what was actually usable rainfall. Um, you know, in Colorado, sometimes we get an inch and a half of, of rain in 30 minutes. Happened at my house about two months ago. But an inch and a half in 30 minutes, how much of that is actually going to be usable? Um, you know, so you can calculate, oh, I got a lot of, I got a lot of rain, so I'm going to shut it off for a week, when in all reality, your landscape wasn't actually able to soak up that much, so you may need to water in, in two or three days. Um, so, you know, with, with all that, that weather, we're able to, you know, really dial in exactly what, what is happening out there. Um, and with all that, that, that weather, the, the precise weather, you know, we're actually able to use predictive analytics. We're able to now look forward, um, to, to what the forecast is going to be. Um, you know, I, a couple examples that, that I use when I'm talking about this is, you know, so it's, it's Friday today and, you know, Sunday I'm looking at that I might be getting uh, three quarters of an inch of rain. Uh, the controller at, at my house would then call out, we would look ahead and we can make the determination. Okay, my turf is not going to be at, at permanent wilting point by the time we hit Sunday. Maybe Mother Nature is going to help me and pay for some of my water by giving it to me for free. So I'm not going to water tonight or Saturday because I'm going to wait to see if Mother Nature helps us. And if, if for some reason it doesn't actually happen, when it makes its communication and calls the next day, it knows exactly where it is and, you know, how much irrigation we need to replenish back into to, you know, keep the, the plant material healthy. 
Um, you know, really, you know, we talked about drought and water restrictions. Another way to look at that is, you know, you're on two days a week. Um, we can look at Monday when normally a smart controller would say, I don't really need to run today. Um, but we can look ahead and say, man, our, all of our landscape is going to be at permanent wilting point by the time we hit our next watering date on Thursday. So let's go ahead and apply just a little bit today so that way our plant material is healthy by the time we can do a full run on Thursday. Yeah, let me tell you the other thing that I learned, uh, especially this summer in San Diego about this predictive analytics uh, is when you get a real hot period, um, maybe a smarter controller or smart controller is looking at the past days, looking behind and it's saying, okay, it's getting hotter every day. So it makes the assumption that you need to really pour the water on, but at some point you get a stopping point and the temperatures start to turn down. The solar radiation's turning down. Maybe you're getting uh, some cooler breezes. Uh, and if you have the predictive analytics, then you actually start watering less. And uh, instead of pouring it on because they're expecting it to be hotter because that's what the history was, it's anticipating uh, things cooling off. And I saw a big change in, in, uh, in, in my watering this summer as a result of that. Definitely, that, that, that's a great point. Um, you know, it, it's not ju just rain or, you know, trying to make sure your landscape's healthy. It, it really is looking at the weather and, you know, being the, the smartest thing out there right now, it, it really is, is watering to, to what your plants actually need. Um, you know, we're not, you know, we're really not taking a guess at it. We're, we're really looking at your landscape specifically um, through, through the science of everything and determining specifically by zone what you need. Yeah, so we've got a, we've got a, a person on that has a question and they're asking, uh, you know, the big proponents of smart controllers for the last 10 years, but their biggest challenge is uh, when they do have some uh, maybe hotter weather and they start to water outside the normal watering hours. This sometimes causes alarm with their customers and then the customers are rushing to touch the controllers and change things. So it's really two part question. One, what do we do about this watering out of normal uh, operating hours? And then two, how do you keep the customer's hands off the controllers? So uh, the first part of that, um, you know, that it's really kind of difficult because that that's really going to be a, a site specific. I mean, if you have an eight zone controller versus a 48 zone controller, you know, your, your water window constraints may be, may be more, more pressed in on the 48 versus the eight. Now at ET water, the one thing we do is we allow you to set your parameters for your water window. So even if we need to actually continue to run more, um, you know, your watering will stop at 10 AM. So that way the, the water police aren't out trying to find you. Your, your HOA is not, not really necessarily upset with you because you're not following the rules. Um, you know, it, it, we're really keeping those constraints on it. Um, so if there are zones that, that can't water or don't get enough water, you know, we're able to, to catalog that and then those may run first the next day because mm. they, they have the highest water need or priority. Um, so, you know, everything is going to get water. It may just not all happen in one specific day if your water window is too short. Um, the second part of the question. Uh, Keeping the, customer hands off the controller. Exactly. Um, which is very important, especially as a contractor, you know, you're under contract to keep, to keep the property looking good and healthy. Um, last thing you want is somebody else coming in and making changes to it and, you know, really, really affecting you. Um, you know, basically your bottom line, if you will, whether you keep the contract or not. Um, so at ET Water, you know, really, 
there, there's not a whole lot of functionality at the controller. So if somebody goes in and they want to change something, if they can change it, an email is going to get sent to the to the person managing the the, the controller saying, "Hey, your your percentage was was adjusted. You, know, you may want to go in and take a look at this." Um, the other thing is, is you know, we don't you know at ET Water, we're very careful of who we give access to the controllers. Um, you know, really, it's it's the landscape contractor that that has full access. Um, if board members, property managers want access, definitely we we can accommodate that. Um, but we have what we call a view only account, so they can get in. They can see everything on the controller, but they can't make any changes. Um, you know, that's left up to the actual contractor. Uh, that's great. Uh, thank you. That, that's got to be really helpful. And then I guess if uh, I guess it would help too if you were uh, sending regular reports to them or uh, isn't there even something in uh, Jane Unity that uh, automatically sends something? Yeah, so um, in, in ET Water Manager, um, you know, our, our older system, you know, we would send uh, email alerts if your water window was, was too small or you had a shorted valve out there. Um, but with Jane Unity, we're still going to be doing that, but we're also going to be sending out a, a weekly email that gives you, you know, a lot of information, what the ET factor was last week, you know, how much water you put down, what's the, what's the ET factor looking like for next week. So, you know, really Monday morning, you can pull it up and look at it and see, man, it's going to be, you know, a lot hotter. My ET factor went up by half an inch. I, I should expect my, my water to run more often. You can kind of mentally prepare yourself, if you will, once you get that, all that information. Um, and in that email, we'll also kind of tell you if there's any, any issues that we have located in the controller, um, kind of just a recap of the, la of the previous week. Yeah. Yeah, I know when I get mine on a weekly, it uh, really gives me peace of mind just to be able to quickly look at that and see that everything's okay or, hey, I've got a little bit of a problem. Uh, yeah, I got to go take a look at it. <laughs> so, and, you know, another thing that, that I, I personally find very beneficial in, in the new Jane Unity platform is what we're calling our, our moisture balance tab. So this is going to be really, really beneficial for for water managers in, in multiple different ways. Um, the first one is, you can kind of see it behind the wording back here, but it, it truly is a visual representation of the water that is in the root zone of, of your plant material. So you can pull it up every morning and you can get a really good, good idea of, of where, where your water sits. Um, you know, same thing with, you know, it's visual, so you can show it to your customers, property managers, board members, you know, they, they want to know why their irrigation is only running, you know, every two days or every three days in the middle of the summer, when in their minds, they think it should be running every day to keep the plant material healthy. Well, you'd be able to pull this up and say, well, if you look at the past week, we haven't hit the, the trigger until every third day, and then you see it irrigate, and then it, it slowly depletes down. Um, or, hey, why is it watering every day? Well, we're at, you know, half, half an inch of ET every single day. So, you're depleting so quickly and you can see the, the graph go up and down. So it, it's really a great way for, you know, to, to kind of back up, you know, what, what the controller is doing to your customers. Um, it's also a great way to monitor, you know, monitor the water. Um, you know, if you're, if you're on strict restrictions, you can really see what, what's going on and you, you can back off the water um, if you need to in order to stay within a budget. Um, you know, as a contractor, I remember having this happen at least once a summer, you're at an apartment complex and they call you on a Friday afternoon and say, hey, we need the irrigation off all next week because we're repaving the parking lot. So with this, with this visual representation, you can now look at it and with the predictive analytics, you can see what it's going to be next Friday. So you can determine, man, do I need to 
add an extra runtime in there to you know make sure the root zone is completely full before we shut it off or is it going to be cool enough that, that I can get by without watering for the week without hitting that permanent wilting point and causing damage to the landscape? The other thing that um, I really don't have it on here um, is, is our weather tab. So now uh, in Unity, we, we actually show the customers exactly what weather we're using in our, uh, in our algorithm. You know, we're being very transparent. So it's very easy for a contractor to log in, look at what the weather is going to be, look at what the moisture balance is going to be, and really get a good idea of what they should expect on their property over, over the next week. Um, you know, I think they're two very good tools that they're really going to help water managers, you know, continue to grow uh, with their, you know, with their water management. Yeah, DJ, I have another question here. Um, so I'm a contractor and I've got, um, you know, workers in the field that still need access to controllers sometimes because they make a repair, they want to turn something on, or they just need an inspection. So I don't need them to have full access to everything, but I do want them to be able to turn things on to test, you know, after they mow, everything's good or make a repair. Can they do that with uh, Jane Unity? They can. So uh, we have a, a mobile version that we call uh, Unity Mobile. Um, so basically that, that gives the, turns their smartphone basically into a remote. They can see what the program's going to be. Um, you know, they, they can make notes in there for, for their manager of what repairs need to be done. Um, they can just simply use it as, as an on and off switch. Um, you know, you get the call on Friday night that they're having a barbecue tomorrow, so you need to shut the controller off. You can do it right from that mobile app as well. Um, so really it's, you know, it, you don't have the full access. You don't have access to all the features that you would on the normal desktop site. Um, but you really have you really have the that ability to run your controllers right from your the phone in your pocket. Yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you. So the question I get asked a lot is, you know, where does ET Water and Jane Unity and specifically get get its water savings? Um, so this is just a graph that that I like to show show people really a, a good visual representation again of, of you know the potential savings you could have. Uh, if you look at the bottom little blue section, it says proper scheduling. So really that's gonna, that's gonna revert back to, you know, your, your smart level controllers that, you know, it's, it's, it's adjusting the, the scheduling um, more than four times a year. So you're actually gonna be watering to, you know, more exactly what, what the ET value is. Um, it's not gonna be exact again, but it's gonna be fairly close. Weather-based irrigation, that's where you start introducing the, the live weather. Um, you know, you get even closer there. And then finally, the top bar is, you know, where you have your uh, 17 factors of, of weather, your predictive analytics, um, you know, all the different features, um, you know, shutting off for, for rainfall in the future, you know, really all those different features that, that Jane Unity is bringing to the table, you know, really you, you can maximize your, your savings out of that controller for, um, for your property that you are managing. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. You know, it's, it's really kind of cool to see it in this uh, visual spot, too. I, I, I like that. Thank you. So really, I mean, that that's pretty much, you know, the presentation. Um, you know, I hope I was able to get enough information out there for everybody kind of on the, the differences um, is really kind of what I wanted to, to really get after today. Um, but yeah, here's all my contact info. Um, obviously, if anybody has any any questions that they think of afterwards um you know any any of that information that they do need you know please let me know 
Um, the other thing, Richard, um, I know that we do want to uh, offer all of our viewers today um, a, a free water budget of, of a property of their choice. Um, you know, we, we do understand that it's coming into fall. We're getting into budget season for a lot of um, a lot of the properties that, you know, contractors and property managers are working with. And, you know, now is definitely a good time, especially those properties that do have high water bills. You know, we're more than happy to come in um, and help, you know, determine what, what the water usage should be and, you know, see it, if, if ET water is going to be the right fit for that, that property and, you know, try to do it, you know, ideally before budget season so you're not in another year of very high water bills. Yeah, that's a nice offer, DJ. Thank you. And uh, if somebody wants to take you up on that offer, they just reach out to you directly? Yes, you can give me a call. That's my cell phone number and, and my email address there. Uh, please reach out to me and, uh, you know, we'll definitely get you taken care of. Okay, well, listen, uh, I want to say thank you um, for all your hard work on water management, water conservation. And, you know, it's not an easy job. I know that. And uh, you're out there trying to change habits. And sometimes that's one of the hardest jobs uh, to do, but uh, changing these habits uh, where all of us benefit from that is, uh, is uh, a great, great challenge, right? So uh, thank you for your hard work and dedication on that. Thank you for your presentation today. I wanna to say out to everybody who joined us today, thank you for your time. I always say you haven't lived a summer until you've lived it as a contractor. Right, so landscape contractor. So uh, I know everybody is so busy right now. I really uh, am thankful that you joined us for this time and I hope you got the value you were looking for and please reach out to DJ for that help. Again, thanks everybody. Thank you, DJ. And uh, gosh, we're gonna be back next week on Wednesday. Uh, Corey Broad's gonna be talking about how to get 60 tons of uh, tomatoes out of an acre uh, using proper irrigation. So should be interesting next week too. So, hey, uh, thanks again, uh, DJ. And remember, we're on uh, Apple, uh, Google, and Spotify podcasts now, a great way to get all your irrigation training uh, in a really efficient manner uh, when you need it. So uh, thanks again, everybody. Awesome, thank you, Richard.